Hey, this is Aggie. Um, I am just recording a quick little note before we start this podcast. This episode is our fourth installment of the Erotica series, and we are discussing the Marquis de Sade's book, Justine, which you may have heard of is really, really graphic, really, really violent, and we have a super frank uh, conversation about it, and we just basically kind of go off of talking about the book. So if you don't want to hear this book, which definitely deals with themes of sexual violence and in a very cruel and like, I mean, in a very cruel way, basically, uh, just skip this one because it's totally nuts. But if you want to listen, then here we go. We're going to do it. Welcome to The Experts. I'm Irene Marquette. And I'm Aggie Hewitt. And this is the fourth episode in our ongoing series on... Erotica. That's right. We are going backwards through time. A journey through time. Through perversions. Yes. Through transgressive situations. I feel like we've been traveling two transgressive situations like yeah. everything before this was nothing a walk in the park yeah yeah you know this yeah. was the right way to do it that's right because everything else would have been like oh this is boring yeah. and sucks yeah which if we kind of were like that anyway we, <laughs> <laughs> we were but they were increasingly um i mean the trajectory of going backwards like for me it, it like got richer and richer the more we went back in time I feel the exact same way, actually. I feel like the world got, um, it was like colored in for me more. I feel like things got mm, blunter and. Um, <laughs> also weirdly more nuanced. I mean, they definitely got better. Like the writing got better. The writing did get better. What does that say about culture? Um, that it's deteriorating. Yeah, I, I think mean, that is clear. Yeah. I, uh, so we should say we started with Fifty Shades of Grey. You can go back and listen to this if you haven't already. Yeah. And then passionate we read... discussion about Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yes. I feel like our discussions have gotten increasingly passionate. I mean, so has our source material. This <laughs> is for sure. And then we read The uh, Claiming of Sleeping Beauty. The Claiming Beauty. of Sleeping Beauty, which was a wild ride that went nowhere, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then the, the story, story of Bo. Lovely. A lovely little jaunt. A lovely little in, dark little journey into the underworld. Yeah. It's like a like a dirty little girl with her dirty little journal. <laughs> 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 and it's like, okay, I get it. Like, you're so bad. But really, like, are you? I don't know. 
I thought you were, but I mean, then. But then, like, the wheels came off the wagon. We the, uh, we read The King of All the Perverts. <laughs> <laughs> well, The Marquis of the Perverts. <laughs> That's right. The Court Jester. <laughs> we read Justine or The Misfortunes of Virtue by the one, the only, the Marquis, Marquis de Sade. De Sade. The um, he he uh, historically has lent his name to the word sadism and all that that implies sadism, sodomy, sadistic. I mean, and there are so many times that I wanted to use a word to describe what I was reading and the word was sadistic. Yes, I will say, though, that sodomy comes from the biblical Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. Yeah. So he can't claim that. But. But he, he can do it. With it. He loves to get anything he up. Gets, a oh my god! T but he's crazy about butts. He loves butts. This is a tale of a thousand butts, or it's a tale of like one butt, especially one one sad, abused, terrified butt that goes through so much. Um, all you can do is sew it up all you can do is sew it up did you have that in your version no okay so aggie and i read different versions there are a um this text was written in the late 1700s um yeah and uh it was banned for a couple of hundred years because he uh so he was should we talk about his life oh yeah we should talk about his life um all of it to say we'll get more into it later but uh, Aggie wrote, uh, read a version from 1964. Yeah. I read a version that was published in 1966. And yeah, I think that both versions were available at the time that like both of these copies came out. I think it was just like, do you want the light or do you want the full force marquee? And you got full force and I got, this is just the one that I have that's been passed down through generations of my family. So that's this, your family's copy. This is my grandma's. That's beautiful oh i my know god that is so cool i know it's really cool especially because the book actually turned out to be really cool like if yes. it if it turned out to be like you know the story of O, which also i did get from my family too but like that's like eh. but this is some dark shit this is some and some good and i'm like wow my family is crazy yeah but i also think that your family is cool and political thoughtful like there's a lot to this that um i'm excited to discuss with me you. too me too um okay so the marquis was a little rich boy yeah and he was like born into like the lap of luxury all i basically know about him is from like either wikipedia or from i read some of the um uh must we cancel sod the um de Beauvier oh essay. yeah yeah did she use the word cancel no Mur she said burn, burn. Must we burn? <laughs> cancel was, was like, my <laughs> she was what a woman ahead i of know time. ahead of her time no that was just me and then also the other one um the uh da, 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 the Saudian woman talks like doesn't talk as much about his life but like a little bit so that's like all I so going from that I my understanding is the Marquis was a little rich boy who 
grew up and knew he was going to kind of have to like marry into money. So he's going to have this title and then his wife is going to have the money and he does it. But immediately after getting married, like he gets married in May and then June, he gets imprisoned for like doing some fucked up shit in a brothel like that. The, you know, the records are kind of sketchy, but like, uh, I assume like something violent and gross. I mean, if if this is like any, I have like a pretty good idea of like what area he was in in terms of like cruelty towards prostitutes like that was like a recurring thing in his life and even in the book he says something like like towards the end there's like a a a lot of uh, monologuing about like the life of a libertine and he says something about you know the fulfillment of desires and like so what if like so what if a prostitute dies in the process like basically who cares yeah that's their job yeah, is to like die so I can get off on it because I'm fucking the Marquis de Sade. Yeah, and like, and like that's what I paid for. <laughs> I mean, so much of this book is about like the privilege that wealth affords you and what that means. Oh, yeah. In terms of like your control over people with less money than you, with like less privilege and wealth. It's like that's what that's what the whole thing is about. It's like so much more political than it is sexual. I completely agree. It is like a brutal indictment on the ruling class and the principles that allow them to lock poor people into positions of victimhood that the rulers continue to profit and get off on. He is so explicit about that. Yeah. And he's like so completely right, even though he's obviously, I mean, I think that this is a comedy, but I also think that he lives the life of the, people that he's like satirizing yeah I think it's like I think that he knows that he's absurd and he doesn't care because he's powerful and like there's something really we should I really want to get to that but maybe we should like explain the plot a little bit maybe talk a little bit more about his life Oh, yeah. We didn't get into his life yet, really. No. Okay. So I have. um, So he was arrested like after he was married and then he kind of like was in and out of prison or asylums for like the rest of his life. Yeah. He was like burned in effigy in Aix-en-Provence at one point because (laughs) like they wanted to kill him. They were like, he he has gone too far. And uh, the the, um, like main pitchfork holder against Desaad was his mother-in-law. Yeah, and he had fucking hated his mother-in-law. He hated his mother-in-law, but he had um, also like turned his wife into this uh, accomplice with him. Like, yeah, there's stories about him, and he had like a valet or uh, like a servant that they had like a homosexual, yeah, like arrangement, and it like that seemed like it was. Yeah, the marquee was fluid. Oh, he was fluid. Oh, yeah. He yeah. just like wants to get off by any means he's gonna, necessary. If he sees you, he will fuck you. Like run for your life because it will hurt. <laughs> it will hurt. He's going to try things and like he's going to try whatever the fuck he wants. And he's got ideas. I'm like, where did you come up with this in a time without the Internet? How did you know because about they didn't have the Internet? That's the thing. That's like all they were doing. It's dulled all of our senses. They didn't have television. All they had was fucking. That was the only entertainment and jousting. And then he was like, why not combine the two? Yeah, it's, yeah. All, it's all blood sport. And oh, my God. And literally, it is blood sport. It's blood sport. And, like, a lot of the tools in the book are, like, directly from the Inquisition. Like, it's all 
everything is so like embedded in the culture and like embedded in religion and power and like what they had lying around it's truly what they it's like oh a wheel that a woman will fit on let's tie her to it and stretch her out yeah and put like the virgin mary on top of her vagina and then i'll come on it and we're all priests that's a part of the book <laughs> oh my god uh so very interesting the uh the marquis decide like this is like french revolution time he uh he's imprisoned he gets out of, he it's like he's in and out of jail he spent like over 30 years of his life institutionalized yeah, in some way either in jail or in an insane asylum which i think is exactly where he belongs that's where he goes that's where you go marquis <laughs> like that's but like, like honestly keep writing keep but that's he wrote this in an insane asylum yes which is like that just makes that's the cherry on top i have to say that part like i think this is extremely lucid oh i think he was totally lucid i don't think that he i think he was institutionalized because they were like what do we do with a man like this who's like got so much privilege but like won't stop sadistically raping everybody and then talking about it i also stop talking about that i think that was part of it where like I, i think that in one of the essays that i read about it they were like this stuff was going on and worse in the French like aristocracy, like upper classes, but he was just so like um, open about it. And it was like disgust. It was his behavior. That was what it was. It was like his behavior. It seems to me that uh, part of like the um, them institutionalizing him and uh, the banning of him is less from like the pornographic elements of this and more that like you don't talk about that yes you don't talk about like how things actually work and like exactly the system actually functions because that's what like there's a lot that's allegorical in this I think like a lot of these scenes are supposed to be like representative of like bigger power structures because i mean she goes and sees like merchants and priests and like yeah i mean it's a very clear it's like very like indictments of like these yeah, larger institutions and, yeah yeah cou- there's counterfeiters yeah counterfeiters and even why like, did i doc- say that word like that because <laughs> it was like an old-timey book counterfeiters <laughs> the counterfeiter which is like one of the worst guys but they're all pretty bad they're oh he had the nails the long nails fingernails he's the one who like takes her I don't remember the long nails. I just oh, remember like he that takes might her. be in my extended. I think edition. that might be in the extended cut. I think all I remember is like I, I he takes her on a mule and she's like, "Why do you live out in the country?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I just do." And oh, she's yeah. like, and she, okay. "He's like, you want to stop at my house real quick?" And then it's like for thirty days we traveled sixty five leagues. Yeah, exactly. And then she like, <laughs> and then like once she gets there, she gets like tied in a basement and has to like make counterfeit money for him. Yes, and then he like dangles her over a pit of corpses. And he and makes he's like, her do. I could, I could kill you here. And then he makes her do like autoerotic asphyxiation with him. Yes, because he's like, if they come and get me, like I want to know that being hung isn't that bad, and I also think that I will come really hard from it. So, and he does. And he does. And he says something really interesting there. He's like, I, because um, he's like testing his boundaries for like being hung and. Yeah. And he says, uh, like, I don't fear punishment because I'm entitled to paradise. There's like some line like that. It's like and that I thought I was like, oh, God, of course, like these guys that that's that documentary, The Family, we were talking about, like 
you can do whatever you want because you are chosen at the end of this like paradise waits for you you're like a rich white man and god has chosen you already so you you. don't have to do anything else yeah and the man is the master of the beasts and like women are beasts and like anyone who doesn't make as you know it's like it's it's just a reinforcement of that yeah it's like all about like taming nature and like women are nature and men are like science or something business Um, industry society civilization anyway (laughs) women are actually civilization thank you men are beasts um they (laughs) uh okay so he i thought this was really interesting when the french revolutions uh breaks out all prisoners who are held under royal letter uh letter de cachet i don't know what that means but all the prisoners who are held under this certain thing are freed by the revolution and i feel like he is such a perfect embodiment of like why the french were revolting during that time yeah and like that's why he was in jail but their rebellion like caused him to be free yeah but he's basically like a political prisoner too yeah i mean i feel like part of the reason that like his writings were so controversial in addition to like all of the like horrific sex acts um, and but more probably are like the political like points that he was making. Like I think that he was speaking out against these like industries and that's why the book was like banned. I don't think it's because of the sex. That's the in sex. It. No, the French love the sex. They're like le sex. Yeah, le sex. Uh, c'est super. Le sex. Mon ami. Mon amour. Exactly. Serge Gainsbourg's their national hero. Oh yeah. I mean, they don't care. He his yeah. per- his best album is about an old man creeping around a school waiting for a girl. Oh my god. It's called god. Melody Nelson, oh and my it's god. beautiful music. I love Serge Gainsbourg. I do too. Everybody yeah. does. He's and a he fucking perv. A pervert. Um. Okay. And so like Napoleon keeps having him arrested, and then he finally like ends up in an asylum, and he dies there. And actually, I want to tell you that my book throws a little shade at your book. Oh, really? Yeah. I from for, the marquee or from like the editor's the note? The editors of this. So it says, in 1964, which is when your book was published, yeah. an American paperback house published a bolderized version of Justine followed yeah. in 1965 by Saad's companion volume, Juliet. These editions, although advertised as abridged but unexpurgated from the original, especially for the adult reader, bore about as much relation to the originals as Boulder's editions of Shakespeare. This is a reference I don't get. During 1965, an American publisher compiled an excellent edition. Uh, blah, blah. Oh, this is just like about the translation. Anyway, this was 1966. And it's like, it says that it took, um, in, uh, it's a compilation of like an earlier draft and like a, revision that he did yeah because i think that he first read what i read was that he first wrote this when he was in one asylum or another and then when he was really doing time in like an asylum like i think maybe he was like in prison when he wrote this draft that i have Mm -hmm. um and then he was like really institutionalized and that's when he wrote the longer version of Justine and also a really long book, Juliet, which is Justine's sister, that is like, I think, more graphically sexual. Yes. Yeah. And he also wrote 120 Days of Sodom. Yeah. Which uh, became that Pasolini movie, Salo. 
Um, I, yeah, I have not seen it and I have not I, read 120 Days of Sodom. I read a very detailed description of it uh, over this past Labor Day weekend okay. where all I did was read, read this Marquis de Sade or read about him. Yeah. And um, uh, in the Pasolini film, it is uh, updated, I guess, to have like a, uh, it's fascists who have imprisoned like 18 boys and 18 girl all teenagers and puts them in like a variety of like sexual situations and it seems reading the um like description of the book it's just a litany of disgusting horrible shit mostly about butts well i mean if you're not talking about butts you are not doing sod right because he loves he loves it a butt he loves the the fresh fruit yeah of an unexplored butthole. And he loves like poop coming out of a butt. He loves that. He's obsessed with it. He loves blood. He does love blood. Was your thing about the wife? I'm sure that was in your version. Like the vampires or the um the guy who bleeds his wife? Yeah. Yes. That was the part that I had to close the book and be like, I can't read this. I'm nauseated. I uh weirdly I I had that experience with the end of the book. The end. Yeah. Where she gets electrocuted? Before she gets electrocuted. Bef- okay. I think we should talk about the plot. of. The oh, book. yeah. Okay. Let's tell the plot of the book. Because I think okay. we're probably going to be sort of different because I read the short one and you read the long one. Yeah. But that'll be fun to fill in the pieces. Yeah. Okay. So this is like, it's a real plot. It's a real book. It's a book. It's um like written in the late 1700s. Like yep. the novel is going strong at this point. Yeah. And this is like very in keeping with the, I feel like novels of the time. Yeah. It's written in the classical style or yes. something it's that a, I read. There's a framing device. Yes. So the, uh, it starts with a tale of two sisters. Yes. One is 12, one is 15 and they are orphaned. The, uh, older sister, um, they each inherit a, um, a hundred acres, which I looked up is like $3,000. Okay. Uh, in like today's money. All right. So that's still not that good. It's no, no, it's not good at all. Okay. So the older sister is, uh, goes to a brothel and she's like, I'm going to be a slut and I love it. I'm going to be a slut and I love it. That's Juliet. Yes. Juliet. And the madam is like, you are going to make a lot of money. You're going to do great. Stick with me in like 10 years time. You'll be a lady. You'll have property, whatever. Yeah. All of that comes to pass. Yeah. In my version, it's just like, Juliet was a free spirit and she ran off and left Justine all alone. Moving on. <clears throat> there was a little bit more. There was a little bit more there. And before Juliet leaves, she gives um, Justine advice to like. Oh, okay. Where she's like, you know, the world is fucked up. You got to kind of go with the flow. That may have come up because, I mean, that theme comes up over and over again it's, of like choose choose vice over virtue because that's going to like help you get through the world. Yeah, you got to you got to just muddy through it. You got to get through it. You have to be smart about it. Which I mean, not terrible advice. It's not terrible advice, but that's not that's not this story. So uh, Justine is 12 years old. She is like uh, she's grown up in like a convent. She's very pious and she uh, goes to a boarding house and spends all of her money. Yeah, well, sure. So she goes and she's living with this old woman who runs the boarding house. And the woman is like, um, I'm going to help you out. They give her like a little like bread and maybe some broth. 
And she's like, I'm going to set up a meeting for you with this guy that I know. And he is going to help you out. Oh, no. First, she goes to a in my version. First, she goes to a another um, church and she goes and asks the priest oh, for yes. help. And he he kisses her. And she's like, I don't think so. In a way that she thinks is like not like priestly. She's like, I don't think yeah, this is She right. knows the score there and she like runs away and she gets away. Yeah. So in my version, the woman who runs the boarding house, like it seems like it like Justine has her own room. So she's uh, the, the framing devices. She has been um, like captured and she is about to be like sent to the gallows and uh she is telling her story to a madam like she's like madam madam please hear my tale and uh it's like and i literally i do not think that framing device is in my version really i don't think so let me see i mean maybe i just straight up was like not even because for the majority of the book, she's referred to as Therese. Yeah. And uh, that's like the name that she goes through. But it's clear that the woman that she's talking to is her sister. Oh, and that is not. No. Yeah. This just starts. There were two sisters very unlike each other. The elder Juliet was not yet 16, but already worldly and wise and blah, blah, blah. Oh, this uh, mine. Mine's got a little more juice, I guess, in the beginning. Yeah, yours has more juice. I think yours is a lot thicker than mine. It is. I. It's like a hundred. Mine is um, like two hundred and ninety something pages. Mine is a hundred and sixty pages shorter than yours. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is like if this is an older version um like an older draft of I, his like it is very it's it's st- it's structured like a novel i think it's a later version yes 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 that's yeah what i mean the yeah this is um the first draft i think was like he filled it out later when he was um when he had a lot of time on his when hands, he had more time on his hands aka being in a j- jail cell yeah <laughs> So in in my version, she uh uh you like you get like a full chapter of Juliet and it ends with her like taking the audience of like some poor wretch who's about to be killed and hearing her story. And then the whole book is like this woman's story. Her she goes by Therese, but you know that like as a reader, like I know that that is Justine and she is talking to her sister, even though they don't recognize each other because they both like live these very different paths. It's totally different. totally different yes the ending is different and like the whole thing is different so my this the one that i have is like very episodic yes so it it starts and she's like just juliet goes off and then justine goes and she goes to the priest she goes to this boarding house she gets set up with a meeting with this like guy who turns out to be a pervert and he's like let me fuck you for money basically and like be my like like i'm like my masochistic sex slave well like i can like beat you yes so in my version uh she was staying in her own room in the boarding house and she ran out of money and then she racked up all this debt and the woman was like you need you owe me yeah go fuck this guy and she was like wait what she was like, go see this man. This man like wants to talk to you. And then she got there and he's like, take off your clothes. Yeah. She in mine. It's it's some, it's basically the same thing. She's like runs out of money and then she needs to like, um, yeah, go to this guy. And she thinks that she's going to get a job there. But she's also sort of a little stuck up about all of the jobs. Like she never really wants to be like clean houses or something she's always like i'm like you know my birth it's not really proper for me to do really every kind of work like she's a little bit a little stuck up but not not 
to the point that she should, you know, have this stuff happen to her. <laughs> that, uh, uh, I think that that might have been, that character trait might have been taken out of her. Cause I feel like it, she's very, um, just like willing. She just like wants good, honest work. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's kind of complicated because she definitely puts out that vibe of like, I just want a good day's work and da da da. But I think it's like, she's, I think she wants to be like a governess. Or something that's more like middle class and not to be like a maid or like a house cleaner. That's yeah. I mean, being a governess is definitely a better job. Yeah. And I feel like it was more like, I don't know. I feel like women who were like from like noble births who fell on hard times always end up being like a governess. And like, I can teach you French because of course I know it because I'm like was educated. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think she kind of has that like vibe going. Um. Did uh, after this, does she go to work uh, kind of like a- after that uh, episode with the guy who wants to pay her to have sex and she doesn't. She, she goes back and the woman is like, you're so stupid. But then she still kind of lets her stay on because she'll like clean the kitchen. So she lets her stay in the house anyway for a little while. And then. And then I have it that she goes to work. Uh, she goes to work for this man. Wait. Yeah. She goes to work for a man and he wants to, he like wants to have sex with her and she won't let him. So then he frames her for theft. Yeah. He says like she stole her, she stole her diamonds. Yeah. His diamonds. He's like, yeah. They're in the room. And then like, there's a whole like theater of like the police coming in and the guy knows exactly where the jewels are yeah and he's like the diamonds are under her mattress and they're right there and she can't defend herself because oh but first the guy is like he tries to tempt her into like doing vice he doesn't want to fuck her or maybe he does but his main thing is he's like help me um commit some sort of like theft like he wants her to he wants her to help him steal something um and I feel like it might be from like his wife or like another woman. Yes. Um, he tries to get her to like participate in a crime. She turns him down and then like a year goes by. That's and right. She's like and saw it as like as the narrator, which I just like was like, this is just him was like, she didn't know that with criminals, you either need to be with them or just completely cut them out of your life. But you can't be like lukewarm with a criminal because they're going to get you. And he gets her. Yes, he gets her. Yeah. And so in this one, uh, it is from from her point of view. Everything that is said is like, even when she's describing, uh, she's talking about like what has happened to her or like the other women or what she's seeing. It is all from like the eye. It's like first person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, this one is not whoa weird that makes such a big difference i'm thinking about like uh what you had said about 50 shades and like uh all of the books that we've read have actually been from like the woman's perspective right sleeping beauty was not right oh yeah right because she's pretty blank and well the story of oh it is but it isn't it's like it's not written in first person, but it's yeah. it is all from her perspective. This feels very much like an asshole is like drunkenly like whispering this all into your ear is what it feels like reading this version of it. Wow. Like it feels like a man telling this story. How um 
I've that feels like it would be really gross. <laughs> it was, but it but it was also like very funny because it was so. I mean, it was cruel. Yes, and it was like a cruel comedy. It was like a cruel farce. Yeah. Um, where so we'll go we'll get back to it, but it's like we keep saying like. It, this kind of stuff just keeps happening over and over again and it gets more gr- intensely sexual. Yeah, the heightening is masterful. And this is a masterclass in heightening. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, it is very, like, it is very much like a UCB, like, it's like a perfect UCB uh, sketch in novel form because it has game, which is that Justine keeps thinking that she's going to be okay this time and she never is she never is and she's it, like i'm gonna be nice to this person and they're going to like give me like they're going to treat me with respect this or, person is this time it'll be different yeah and, and it never is. and you know once you're like three chapters into the book you're like it's never going to be okay for you justine like ne- never trust a stranger like she should learn to not trust a stranger but she never does so it's like every time like some guy is like justine i have a job offer for you like justine will you come to my house there's a scene there's like a moment where justine is like well i really don't think i should last time something terrible happened but you know what i'm gonna go with my gut i'm gonna do it and it's like you start laughing because it's like so stupid it's like in a it's like in a sketch where it's like every time they open (laughs) the fortune cookie you know that the guy's fortune cookie is gonna say something like really devastating about him in bed instead of like the normal in bed thing the, the normal fortune cookie that's like a ucb a triumph sketch that's like is famous. that a famous ucb sketch it's from like the tv show i forgot it it's just it's like it's been a while since i've watched that show it's just like every time they open a fortune cookie it'll say like you know the game of like in bed of course so like every time they open a fortune cookie it's like normal fortunes but then one guy every time he opens a fortune cookie it's like you're a disgrace to your family or something (laughs) like your wife will never love you it's like a really like devastating blow yeah and then he keeps opening more and more fortune cookies and then the fortunes get increasingly worse and it's like a really good sketch to watch if you want to learn how to write sketch comedy because it's just like so it's like right it's all right there it's like this the the game is that he keeps opening the fortune cookie and then the heightening is that the things in the fortune cookie keep being worse and that's what this book is like where it's like the game is she keeps on going with strange men and the heightening is it gets worse it gets worse yeah. and worse um okay so she ends up in jail for theft and while she's in jail she makes friends with a woman in her 40s Who's a career criminal, very charismatic, who uh, kind of takes Justine. We'll just call her Justine, even though she goes by a different name. Yeah, this uh, for me, in my version, this is the point after she like joins up with this like band of criminals that she starts going by Teresa or Therese or whatever. It's like at this point. Oh, wow. Um, That's cool that uh, there's no explanation in this of why that is her name. It's not like. It's not explained really, but she just starts like giving that name when she's with criminals. So it becomes clear that it's sort of like she's her alter ego, her alter ego. Yeah. Her Sasha fierce, if you will. Exactly. But she's not very fierce at all. She she's really a lot like regular Justine. <laughs> I actually have an opposing theory about that. Really? that I would love to get to. Oh, please. Eventually. Okay. Um, she ends up with this woman and the woman is like, stick with me, kid. And uh, stages an escape of the prison by committing arson and yeah. together they kill like 20 people. Yeah. But as Justine is like, I'm so confused. 
Yeah, she's just kind of along for she's the ride. Like, yeah, Justine is just like, I mean, this book is definitely written by like a misogynist. And Justine is just kind of like an idiot who's just like, whatever. She's kind of like a bumpkin. She doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah, especially at this point, like she gets she gets a little bit more savvy, although she does. I mean, she gets more worldly, but she continues to make the same choice, which over and over, again, over and over again, because she is idealistic and motivated by uh, like faith and christian goodwill and uh believes that everything is eventually going to work out yeah she's deeply religious and she believes that if she just is virtuous then things will go her way in the end yes and it's like it's she's supposed to be like corny and dumb i think that she is corny and dumb but i also think that uh as it goes on her philosophies become more um like strong and better articulated and uh there's so many scenes of like the men that she encounters um kind of like laying out their worldview yeah and the whole thing that's the whole thing it's just like here's my world here's like three like a speech about whatever and then she will counter with like but the good of the blob and the good I'm good and God and, and, and they're like, but nature doesn't care about that. Nature doesn't care about your morals. Nature cares about strength and weakness. And if you have the choice, why don't you choose to be strong? If you're not choosing to side with the powerful, then you're going to get swallowed up by them. And that is nature. That's how the world works. Yeah. And like, that's how, nature shows itself because like the natural order is that strong people like the strong will overpower the weak and in our society these are the Marquis de Sade's views not my own in our society the wealthy people are the have taken over the strong like money is the new stands in for physical strength and so People who have like high standing in society and a lot of money, those are the people you need to align yourself with and like serve them and use them and continue to push the poor people down because that's how you gain strength and that's how you survive. Yeah. And if you want to play, if you want to play at their level, you have to trick them or slip in and uh, go unnoticed or deceive somebody else like nobody nobody gets successful by being nice i think is also part of yeah like the bones of the the story i mean well yeah it's like every you have to it, it yeah you have to do i mean more than nice it's like you have to do bad things to get um to survive yeah, and it doesn't matter if you do like doing bad things doesn't matter because nothing matters except for you. Yeah. I feel like it's very like American psycho. Yeah, I mean, it's very like the philosophies in this book are incredibly American, I think. Like it felt so fresh. It felt so It felt so fresh. It was like this could be written today about America right now. I completely agree. I feel like this this book better articulates um, like the dark, like corrupted soul of 
<laughs> our country. Oh my God. I mean, like there's a scene that is like Jeffrey Epstein, <gasps> like yes. to a T with uh, Ghislaine. Ghislaine. She gets, okay. Yes. So okay. We, we got to get to it. it yeah. Okay. So we're actually, this is like tease it this up towards. Yeah. The so, end. so she, while, so she escapes from prison with this woman and they end up with a band of thieves and the kid, like the head of the thieves, he's like, Oh, a little virgin. And he's like, you've never had sex with anybody. And she's like, no, no. And he's like, I'll tell you what, if you let me get the butt, you can keep your maiden head and you can you for 10 years you can you can fuck all kinds of guys in on the forbidden path and your husband will never know yeah like you can marry with honor and she's like no no that is like repugnant and repulsive to me yeah and he's like and don't you want um god he says something that's like so dark and true kind of where he's like look, your husband is going to be like, I'll never be your husband, but I'll protect you and I'll fuck you. And like what that's all a husband is like, I'll give you money and I'll fuck you, which is like all you're going to get out of your husband anyway. Yeah. And And she says no to this proposition and uh, they keep her around and uh, they end up um, there's a man on the road and they uh kidnap him rob him he's like extremely wealthy and she basically like throws herself at the feet of this man and is like don't please don't kill him like i'll do whatever you want like like don't kill this man so they spare his life for the night and uh they're all too tired to like rape her or whatever (laughs) and she um gets up in the night she frees the man they get his fortune and they run off into the woods together and instead and she she is like, I'm vulnerable. I'm young. I'm an orphan. Like, take me to safety. Take me to whatever. And instead of helping her, he, like, rapes her and leaves her for dead. Uh, yeah. In the butt or in the vagina? In both. It starts in the vagina and then he leaves her for dead. And then he sees that she's half dead. And then he comes back and he finishes the job. Because I couldn't remember where she lost the vagina virginity i thought it was i mean i could it was like not entirely clear to me uh there's a lot of um very like sometimes he's extremely explicit and sometimes it's like hidden in very flowery text yeah uh but towards the end of the book she gets summoned by him and uh has a confrontation with him where he brings her into his office. She's like 25 at this point. And he's like, listen, you lived a hard life and you know the deal now. And I have a proposition for you. Yeah. He's like, I need two virgins every day. Yes. I need to deflower them. And then I need to get them out of my sight. Yes. And then there's a footnote about this being a real story. Okay, so I don't from, have that footnote. It's and it's from Marquis de Sade, uh, <laughs> or slash author. Um, so he's like, I need to find, uh, I need to find these these girls. Can can you help me? And uh, and she says no. She says no. He's he offers her like a like a good deal of money, a place to live. Like he lives in this like very stately home with servants and just like it would have been a 
good deal for her. And even reading it, I was like, do it just in like, you know that you're just going to get like raped anyway. It's like, this is all you can do. Just do it. But she says no. And I was like frustrated with her. I was like, why isn't she just doing this? I was not frustrated with her because at this point, he part of his speech about this, about like, I need two virgins every day. And and he says, I uh, had a woman who like procured these like my pleasures for me, but like she died or whatever she left. And now it's uh, I want to offer this great job to you. Very high paying job. Yeah. And he says, I get these he was like where you'll find them is in the poor houses yes you'll find the best wretches like um which is where jeffrey epstein found his fucking girls i mean not in poor houses but in the mall girls who worked in the mall i mean it's the same fucking thing and it really i believe the marquee decided that it really happened because it really happens today it really happens today and he goes on to say like he's an aristocrat he like he helps set the laws that keeps these people in a state of need and desperation and like vampires the best victims are ones who are stricken with poverty and who are dependent on somebody like him to try and give them a better life and that like it it was so it like stopped me dead in my tracks to read that and it made me so sick to my stomach and in that moment like the whole thing's really made sense to me because she was saying that is a point where she said no to him and she like moves on. Like it's that I thought like she's actually really radical and it's, there is something, there's something stupid about her. Like, yeah, she keeps getting herself into the same dumb situations But what does that say about us to like read something like this and be like, yeah, go along with it. Like let him like help him get the girl so you can just like get a little bit of peace. And then I got really sad about it. And I was like, this person is so um, like there's a nobility about it. And like there's something there's something punk and there's something outrageous and radical about a person who no matter what the personal cost is and like at what personal peril it like puts them at continues to like stick to their principles yeah I mean I think that that's an so for me I in my volume anyway like my version of it I couldn't separate like the Marquis de Sade's like smarmy attitude from a second of this book like it is drenched in it it's not from her point of view it's not in first person at all and in the moment I I loved I loved this book me too and in the moment it was just I felt so much I I felt so much appreciation for the author (laughs) and I was so amazed that this book has been written like 300 years ago or something and it was so exactly correct yes and showing this type this this mechanism of society that seems crazy and seems impossible but we now know is exactly what really does happen in the world and I I mean, I loved it, but I, at the same time, I was like, 
he's writing her where he is at the same time he's condemning society, but he's also condemning the idea of being virtuous. He's, he's making fun of her for trying to be virtuous in a, in a vile society. Yeah, I think so too. I think that that is part of it. And I think that's part of like the indulgence of like the pornography and the violence and like the, um, it's so angry. It's so, it's so angry. And it actually made me think like, I wonder if he was a really sensitive child. And I like, I, it made me, it just like made me wonder like about him. And it all, it, it struck me, uh, it was, I think in between this and the end of the book and the under the end of the book was really, really hard to read. Um, I did, I like kind of skipped over large chunks of it and, uh, I was like, oh, this person who has been so like good this whole time and like so principled there's no moment that he gives you where she has any tenderness at all there's no encounter with anybody that like shows any kind of sweetness and like I became so exhausted it does get exhausting although I think she gets a couple moments of tenderness towards the end in my version but maybe I'm just being maybe yeah uh, it just comes after, well, did you have that, like, that, like, I mean, I think it's maybe the craziest part of the whole book where I don't even know if I want to say, say it. it. What, are, what are you thinking of? Well, there's the, thi- there's, uh, it's like all of like the, gr- the greatest hits of like the bad boys. She like the, a couple of them uh, come back. There's the guy with like there's a guy who's like a ginormous penis. That's not in it. What in my version, what happens is I'll just tell you quickly because I think it's different from what you have. So in the version I read at. Uh, so like, I don't know, some stuff happens. She ends up escaping. She gets she gets stuck whatever somehow she gets like she's like at some sort of like inn or something somehow and she like meets this nice guy who likes her and he's got like a valet who's with him and while she's staying at the inn she runs into the lady from the prison who burned it down yes and um the lady from the prison is like uh i'm gonna kill this guy that likes you and you're gonna get half his money yes and she warns him of it. Yes. And while they're on a walk, he starts vomiting and he's been poisoned. Yes. Yes. That happened. Yes. She pins and the the criminal lady pins it on uh, Justine. Yes. And Justine later that night. Is she, there another fire? There's another fire later on. Okay. Yes. So she goes. So then that evening she's like. She she gets sort of taken in by the guy's valet and the valet is like gives her a little bit of money and is like, I'm going to help you. And he's nice. He gives her um, and while she's walking. She gets someone throws a cloak over her head and kidnaps her and it's the criminal. It's the woman from the prison. Yes. Who brings her to this guy's house and 
she goes into his room and they bring in another girl who's like younger than her and a virgin. Oh yeah, and it's the beheading guy. And he cuts her head off after yes. he fucks her. And they get so drunk and like eat so much food that they like pass out. Yes. She makes her escape. Yes. She runs off. Uh she sees the guy again he gives her more money she runs off she's staying at another inn while she's there something happens i'm not totally sure but she runs into the one of the monks oh she runs into one of the monks but it's like a pretty like it's like he and he offers her to come back to his um monastery which is like a torture chamber where they rape women yeah it's uh in my book it's like 80 pages it's the longest segment yeah, I think it's like the longest. It's not 80 pages because that would be like half the book <laughs> in mine. But it's like it's the longest part where she's like staying in this like weird monastery. And it's like all these young girls that they keep tied up and they just like rape them. And there's like a whole system. It's like Midsummer. There's a whole system. And the, the yeah, they say like they get like retired or something. I can't remember what they say. Yeah, And there's like a pit where they throw them. And it's like very disgusting. Yes. So anyway, she she gets away from this woman she oh she runs into the monk she gives the monk a fake address things she's staying with she's traveling with this kind of like middle-aged woman or not really middle-aged like our age but whatever <laughs> like middle-aged in the world of the book um who kind of is a bitch who has a little kid and she wakes up in the middle of the night and the inn that she's staying in is is on fire and there's like she and justine somehow accidentally drops the baby and the baby dies in the fire yes then it turns out that the criminal lady is the one who set the fire and she pins the whole thing on Justine and Justine goes back to jail. Yes. Is this what you're talking? What are what, am I still I'm yeah, I yeah. keep waiting to be like, what what is the thing that's different? So like, it's after this. So, so while she's in the jail, she asks to have uh, to see uh, the monk that she runs into in the street and she's like get me out of here like i'll say what you did and then he instead uh, he basically just like shows her his boner and he's like you don't get to say anything oh so in mine she goes back to the gizlane maxwell guy yes she writes him a note and she's like come and see me and she's like i'll do it and he's like okay He's like, I'll see what I can do because I'm friends with the judge or whatever. And when she goes before the judge, the judge is like, do you know this guy? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, he said that you like stole money from him and you confessed everything and you committed murder and you're going to jail. Whoa. It's like the the guy says that he's going to help her, but he actually implicates her in all these crimes that she didn't actually commit. So, okay. So, uh... She ends up after the confession, after the thing with the priest, he and he like does whatever to her and then tells the guard, like, I heard her confession and like, you know, she's crazy, whatever. Oh, yeah. You know what? That happens, too. After that, she ends up uh, with one of the guys. um, I think it was the guy with the crazy fingernails and like the big, the extreme boner they it's it's like four of them and they just basically tear her to shreds and there's a whole thing where it's like her vagina is too wide her butt is too wide to give me pleasure like um 
tighten her up. And that they, is not in this one. And there's this like graphic thing where they sew her up. And it's like she like describes it like both of them. And then he breaks through them. And that's like the start of this whole other thing where it just gets worse. And there's like she's like nothing. She's like reduced to nothing. And that's like before that's like the end of this. That basically ends the story. I forget how she got out of that because I honestly couldn't read it. I was going like paragraph. I was like going through the paragraphs, seeing keywords that I didn't want to know more about. And, um, okay. So that's not in this version, this version. She just sort of like, I don't know. I think they're just sort of like leading her through the town square or something like after she gets condemned to whatever fate she's going to have by, because she's guilty of these crimes. And as she is, um, walking, she sees her sister. Ah, and her sister is with her new, like, lover who's like living as her they're living as husband and wife but they're not oh wow and he's like bankrolling her and uh, uh Juliet after seeing Justine and like realizing they get her out of the situation and they like sort of get her like signed over to them and they take her to this like little chateau and the three of them are just sort of living together even though Juliet is uh, kind of trying to pull away from this new from this boyfriend she has because she says that after being like uh, uh, like rekindling her relationship with Justine she realizes that virtue is important and she doesn't want to like live in sin with someone anymore oh weird and they're like in this chateau and then there's a um, one night there's this like terrible storm and uh, Justine goes to close the window and as she does, she gets struck by lightning. Like Martha Stewart. And um, she is like, she ends up like lying on her back with like a like lightning coursing through her. I'd actually like to read it. Please read if it. If it's possible. Yeah, yeah, Let yeah. me find it. Hang on. If God permits virtue to be persecuted on earth, it's not for us to question his intentions. It may be that his rewards are held over in another life, for it is not true as written in the Holy Scripture that the Lord chasteneth only the righteous. And after all, is not virtue its own reward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> Very funny. I mean, that's funny. Uh, can I read the last sentence of this version? Yes, please. May you be persuaded with her that true happiness exists only in the bosom of virtue and that if in appearances, which it is not on our place to fathom, God allows it to be persecuted on earth. It is only to compensate it in heaven by the most flattering rewards. Yours is so much better. I think that the virtue is way funnier. Yeah, that's way better. Yeah, I that's, think so too. Wow, they really did not land that plane. It could have been a translation thing. Maybe. I looked up the translator. Oh. I dug too deep. I found where she lives. Oh, wow. Deep. Yeah, I just wanted to... Ask her some questions. I just wanted to ask her some questions and I didn't want to send her a card, but now I can. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you ever read about... Uh, did I, or did I ever make you, did I ever tell you about Gilles DeRay? 
yeah, and I did read about him because I read uh, uh, and he's referenced in my book. He's Is he referenced in yours yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. They reference him under a different name though, and I was like, oh, they reference. They're like Jill Deray, the original Bluebeard. They call him both, and oh, he's that's great. and I read um, a biography of Joan of Arc where he's yeah, he pops but up his his like pre Bluebeard life is a part of it. Yeah, because I um, so uh, Gilles Duray was a uh, he was the first lieutenant in Joan of Arc's army. He was like a party boy, like wealthy aristocrat um, who kind of was purposeless and ended up uh, serving in her army and like served right alongside of her. He was like her number one, basically. And he saw her victories. I feel like if you were getting assigned to work with like a teenage girl leading an army in France, like you probably people probably didn't consider you to be like a serious military man. I mean, Joan of Arc's career was all over the map. I but mean, I think you're right. I think you're right. At I'm, least at the beginning. right? Uh, yeah, totally. And I think he was with her. And I think if you saw her do what she did, you would think like, oh, my God, I'm in the presence of the divine like how like she did what she said she was gonna do what was going on with Joan of Arc dude that is a question I have asked into the sky so many times was she crazy was she driven what what was it real was she really from God I have no I don't know I I don't know where her messages were coming from but i don't think it was epilepsy it doesn't make any sense you like not everybody can say i'm going to lead the like french armies to victory and then actually deliver on it was it like the secret the power of positive thinking i mean maybe i mean i'm not kidding i think it might have been i don't know it's crazy it's crazy it's crazy there's no way there's no way for us to ever know exactly what was going on all we know is that she actually did she actually did it she did it and it freaked people out so bad they murdered her and it freaks me out too i went to the town where she was killed so did i oh well i went to um I went to like one of the towns, well, not because of her, but like there's a um, like right outside of Paris, there's like a sub there, not a suburb, but there's like a big like wine town that I went. But she she had like marched through there and stuff. I went to the town where she was killed and I sat in her jail cell and took a very moody selfie in there next to the window. You got to. You got to. What else the fuck would you do in there? I mean, I was by myself. I traveled alone. I I like took a pilgrimage. We gotta go together sometime. What are we doing here? (laughs) Get on a plane. (laughs) I know. Like we can contemplate in quiet silence together. I mean, I think we should. I think we should. Okay, so Gilles de Ray like served right next to Joan of Arc and I feel like he saw miracles happen and and then he saw the church and the government turn against her and kill her. And I think it broke him. And in then some he became way. a libertine, but also a sadist. A Satanist. And a Satanist. Just like a full on like devil worshiper. They say he murdered like 600 children. A pig. Uh, just a, a total pig. But uh, also like he like that's the that's the r kelly story too in a way like he was preying on vulnerable communities and nobody cared because the children of those communities did not matter to the people who were in charge it's also the story of epstein it's also the story of like 
so uh the candy man from wherever in the south i mean it's like it this happens it, over and over again yeah it, it people get away with stuff. dean coral dean coral the candy man he was a serial killer he murdered young boys and he would like have like weird parties in his basement and he got other young boys to like recruit for him. It was very, it's like they all do it. He would get young boys to recruit for him and drive around and say like, Hey, like we we're having a party. We're going to have beer. There's going to be girls there and like get them to go to this fucking guy's house. And no one would ever see him again. Exactly. And horrific murders. <sighs> I mean, it takes on sort of like a mythological uh, tone when you're talking about someone doing it you know 400 years ago or something you're like what was happening there's this mystery but i mean like serial killers have always existed and they're just you know what i mean like this violence like it's just like violent acts that i mean people still do it people definitely still do it and it's crazy how much um class is a motivator in some of these crimes And like what I loved about this book so much was that he really put a point on like maintaining power, being a motivator for the violence, which is like we think of the violence as being this like when we talk about sadism, we're like, oh, you're driven by this need to commit violence because for some reason the wires got crossed in your head and that's what it's and that's what gets you off. Who knows? Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. But what he's saying And I also read a quote from uh, Foucault about this, where he was like, this wasn't something that was just like naturally, I'm totally paraphrasing, but I just came across it like reading about like what different philosophers had to say about uh, Saad. He was like, this wasn't something that just existed and finally got a name with Saad. This is something, this was like a specifically sadism, a specifically like class motivated creation of a person. This is like a movement. Yes. And it is. It is a movement, um, yeah, and uh, I mean, again, like the Catholic Church with the Inquisition, so many of the torture devices that uh, were utilized during the Inquisition, like had some sort of sexual element to them. Like there was, okay, one one time when I was 19 and sad, Okay, I took a trip to San Diego by myself from Las Vegas. Oh, God. I like got on an airplane. I was like, I need a break. And I went to San Diego. I get it. And uh, I went alone again and ended up at a museum where they, in Balboa Park, torture instruments of the Inquisition. And um, it really put a definite, like tone over the whole weekend i feel like i've seen maybe not that museum but i feel like i've seen like torture i've seen like stuff like that in like some museum before can i tell you one of the worst ones sure well we all know the iron maiden yeah which one is that that Uh, classic it's the it's like um a body shaped it's made out of iron uh you step in it it's there's uh it's basically nails they're like raised points all over it and then they close the doors and then it it just like smushes you yeah uh but they had uh this is the one that really stuck out so skip ahead if you don't want to hear this because it's really gross it was a wooden pyramid. I know that's what you're going to talk about. You sit on it. You sit on it. And I they knew you were going to talk your legs down and they either put it on like in your vagina or in your butt, depending on what your gender is and how depraved you are. And it splits you in half. It splits you in half. 
I must have been to this museum because I know exactly what you're talking about. And some of them were like they would they would basically like make people have orgasms because like, Uh. yeah, there's the the sexual element of torture being uh, like coming out of the Middle Ages, I feel like is significant in this like it stayed in it stayed in this class like you didn't have you didn't have like lower class or whatever the middle class of the time was like they weren't really creating devices like that they they didn't you know you you have to have like special chambers and rooms you need and basements well, and yeah caves. you need like a war room you need like specialists. a red room you need wealth yeah paging mr gray the fucking pig of seattle (laughs) with his damn room it's yeah and then the evolution has been just the total acceptance of it yeah and like the integration of it into our i i uh yeah reading some of this stuff i was like oh this some of this isn't that different from what you would see on like red tube no not at all except for people actually die yeah and we have showers now yeah and you have uber (laughs) (laughs) you have an uber and hopefully you have a friend who knows where you are hopefully you have a friend and you have like twitter and like you can kill. Oh, this is like a, t- this is kind of a left turn, but I Tell did me. have one quick thought. We have to start. We really have to wrap it up soon, but I just want to really quickly say it kind of made me think about cancel culture differently. <gasps> oh yeah. 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 You text me this. I really want to know more. Well, because I'm like, you know, famously as a edgelord, like my friend, the Marquis de Sade, anti cancel culture, whatever. But I was like, you know what? Are you describing yourself as an edgelord? Uh, yeah, in the shadow of the Marquis de Sade, I am an edgelord. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know if I say I'm anti-cancel culture. I feel like I, I have like to, to be like, I'm an edgelord. In the shadow. In the shadow of Marquis de Sade, I am an edgelord. I am an edgelord <laughs> in the shadow of the Marquis de Sade. Can we get, I would love that like printed on a notebook. That should be our merch. That's our merch. That's our first piece of merch. Oh my, oh my God. God. <laughs> okay. But anyway, like, so I feel like it's like kind of like roll your eyes edge lordy to be like, I'm opposed to cancel culture, whatever. But I feel like there's something about it that I, bumps me the wrong way. But Can, you're talking about cancel culture bumps you the wrong way. Yes. Yeah, of course <laughs> it does. But it's like, I also feel like there's something like people roll their eyes when you, you can't talk, you can't win with cancel culture. But the thing about it, where that I that the the reason that this kind of challenged me on it is that we talked a lot about art, what makes art. Yeah, yeah. And I was curious your thoughts on that in regards to this. Um well like and about how like consumerism like helps people define art and like how consumerism plays into cancel culture where it's like I'm not gonna monetize, like I'm not gonna pay for this thing anymore and like turning art into a commodity and like a, something of like monetary value and like what the ethics of that are like artistically whatever and we have these people who get canceled now and like when they get canceled they get deplatformed and they get like kicked off twitter yeah and they're like oh how dare you but the marquee de Sade was like i am gonna go into an insane asylum and fucking die to say this shit yes and it's like 
what we got is something so pure and so fucked up and so gnarly that it will like reach through time and space yes. and give you the fucking middle finger and you'll be laughing and grossed out and freaked out and see like truths about the time that you live in today. Yes. It is glory. It truly is amazing. I think it is so good. I honestly think it should be required reading. I think everybody should read it and everybody should talk about it. And something that I was thinking about with this, uh, as like a comparison to, um, once upon a time in Hollywood. So, Oh my God. Talk I want about edgelord. Irene. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like haven't seen it, you care about spoilers or whatever, this is your warning. I'm going to talk about the end of the movie where, um, Quentin Tarantino with that movie, a movie that I really uh, enjoyed. I did too. Yes. Um, the way that he is playing with our knowledge of history at the, like throughout the movie, like he's creating tension throughout the movie uh, with you knowing how Sharon Tate's story is going to end. And when I was watching it throughout the movie, I, you know, you're seeing her uh, being really sweet and like watching herself on screen and like being like your heart's breaking and, as you see it yeah and she's just like a just like a sweet nice like cool like woman like that like that's yeah yeah and i mean you don't want to see anybody meet the fate that she met no. but the way that he was presenting her like so purely and sweetly you especially you're like oh god no and then she shows up pregnant and you're like please no like i don't want to see when you see her being pregnant it's like it's a devastating you know what's coming it's yeah like foreshadowing it works as foreshadowing yes and he knows that's the expectation and he subverts the expectation at the end by giving you an alternative ending yes and letting her have a future and letting that whole thing play out in a a different way and like wish fulfillment way. Yeah. And I found that so satisfying and so cathartic and awesome. And I truly yeah. loved it. I Me was so too. surprised by it. I thought it was like a beautiful way to, uh, show, show her story to make you, to have it exist in your imagination, her, her future and like her baby's future. And yeah. like, that's fucking awesome. So I think Marky decided at, for the version that I'm reading, like because it's a framing device, because like she is telling her story to her sister in like a disguise. Basically, they don't realize that it's each other. You know that the end of the story is going to be her meeting with her sister and that like them reconciling and like her finally getting what she's been wanting the whole time, which is like love just, and connection yeah and like just like to be fucking left alone like yeah. to have some kind of peace to be reconnected with her family to be rewarded for her goodness and instead of uh like like that expectation is building and that's what makes some of those scenes like tolerable in a way because she's telling the story you're like you know that it's gonna work out because it's her narration and the closer that you get to those final pages He's not giving that to you. He's not let he he's like, you don't you don't get this. Like your expectation is bullshit. Your happy ending is nothing. This doesn't end in a happy way. It never ends in a happy way. She's going to get hit by lightning and she'll probably be happy because she thought it was God, but she's still dead and her life was fucking miserable. So what does it all mean? What yeah, it but it's like, but it is a happy ending because all she wanted was virtue and that's what she got. And that's the what end. she got the end. Love the Marquis de Sade, bitch. They don't call me the Marquis de Sade for nothing, motherfucker. I'm and she gets struck by lightning and I'm like, LOL, bye. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I loved it. I was like, thank you. Thank you. I thought that was a really funny way to go. I, I thought that was so funny. I know. I was like, oh, that ending, I was like, I I was like, go off King. I was like crying. I was like, I love him. I was like, I have a crush on the Marquis de Sade. He's a genius. Would you have dated him in high school? I would have tried and he would have, he would have been like, no, like you're not good enough for me. <laughs> and I still would have been crying about him today. Oh my God. Hundreds of years later. Hundreds of years later, my heart goes out to him. I know we have to wrap it up, but I just want to say like one more or 10 more things okay because <laughs> i could i could really could I talk could about this i could go on night so long about this yeah. i know um okay this book was uh kind of lost for a long time it was that there were like 200 years or like like a 150 years where it wasn't really distributed and then there was a push in like like 19 20 or 30 that uh it released for the first time and the surrealists picked it up there was like um some shorts that they made that were inspired by it and then simone de beauvoir wrote her thing about it how much do you because there was also a very significant edition that came out in france in like 1952 and the story of o came out in 1954 so i feel like it this was speaking to that time as well, like to kind of go back to your point about it, just like reaching through history. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts or. So this, the version that you have, no, the this, version that I have came out. Uh, I don't know what version they had in France either. Cause I think, I think that there's like many versions of this. And I think he, and I know he published both versions in his lifetime. Yes. Or wrote both. for. It's not like one is like redacted or like annotated or whatever. It's like they're both they're both different versions that he wrote. Yeah. And I think like it's important to remember he he's writing this without a computer like on like probably on strips of whatever he could get his hands on in a prison cell and just like revising and rewriting and rethinking. And so it's like who knows what the hell. Yeah. I don't think there's any way. I don't it's think like Shakespeare where it's like it's like all kinds of like compiled shit that they just sort of yeah yeah but I kind of get the sense that he doesn't really have that he doesn't have that sort of same treatment and I think that a lot no, of he no doesn't. I would just like hazard an observation about that <laughs> I think that uh there's a lot of ideas in here that are like really worth discussing and exploring like in a formalized way and I think that a lot of it gets uh, it's easy to dismiss it all because it's it's perverse and it's disgusting and yeah. it's horrible. I mean, it gets discussed, but it gets discussed in like a reactionary way by feminists, which is like mean. fine. But like, and I and it is like deeply misogynistic for sure. But it's also good. I don't know. It's also really good. Yeah, so there's another, I think it's great. There's a book that um, I took a restoration literature class in college. Okay. Um, Go on. So FYI. (laughs) Uh, But one of the things. They don't call you the expert for nothing. Nor you. Exactly. (laughs) Um, There was a book that we read called Pamela. Yeah, and this is supposed to be like a send-up sort of of Pamela. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever read it? No, I never did. Okay, it's really boring. It's about a, like, a maid who goes to work for this guy, and all he does is just, like, try to fuck her. Okay. And he just, and the whole time, she's like, no, no, my virtue, my virtue. But in the end, she marries him. Da-da-da-da. 
And in this one, in the end, she gets raped and struck by lightning. <laughs> you guys, he's funny. He is funny. I feel like there's a lot of humor to this. He was funny. He was cute. He was insane. He was in an insane asylum. Leave him alone. Except for he did commit sex crimes for sure. I think that he definitely deserved to be institutionalized. I don't feel bad that I he... wish that we did this to all. Like, wouldn't you rather that, like, Harvey Weinstein was just, like, institutionalized and writing this shit instead yeah. of, like, producing movies for the last, like, 30 years? Yeah. Like, they were just like, like, you know what? I'm the gatekeeper for every actress. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. no. Don't no. give them that kind of power. Put them in an insane asylum. With a pen. With so, a quill. Yeah. Yes, thank you. As in the movie Quills. <laughs> Which my mother loves. I have not seen it, but I know what it's about. Marquis de Sade. <laughs> and, and Kate Blanchett. And, oh, no. Kate Winslet. Oh, yeah. And Joaquin the Phoenix is in Kate that Blanchett. movie. The poor man's Kate Blanchett. IMO. Winslet. Winslet. Love her. I like her. I love Blanchett. Well, yeah. That's why I said poor man's. I agree with you. Thanks. I was going to push it until I got it. <laughs> you, <laughs> um, yeah, I wish that I would love. Uh, I mean, I want I'm glad that Jeffrey Epstein is dead and mm, I'm glad that he's dead. If he's dead, he's dead. He's definitely dead. I wish that like his victims had some sort of justice and I wish that all of like the perverts in his black book would be but like what justice would they ever have gotten there well there there is no justice i mean they're still they're stu- suing the estate for his money but it's like but it's just money he it's, killed him i mean but it's just his life i mean what would he have given besides i mean it's like there's no and i'm not saying this i'm not i'm not just defending jeffrey epstein i'm just saying like once something like this happens to you like what is justice at that point i don't i don't dying know. dying hanging in a bed sheet in a jail cell is like one of the worst ways you can end your life but it's not justice no because it's like what else him living and going to prison him going to the electric care like what is justice you i know? think that maybe it's like a trial changing the system like or getting to tell him to his face what he did or getting to confront him to his face i think that's what he robbed them of. that's what he didn't want I that's th- why he did it yes i think that's part of it i also think it's like stopping a system that allows it from happening because there's also the thing of her okay i don't know if you have this in your version but when she meets up with a woman from prison uh that she meets at the beginning who helps her escape from prison and that she meets at the end who wants her to uh rob that man yeah when they go to the guy who beheads the girls she i know what you're gonna say i think she meets up with her again at the end and she's like uh this this woman and she says come with me Come with me to the house of the man who beheads the girls. We are going to kill him and we're going to take his money. And Justine says, no, that's not in my version. That's not the that's she's like, let the law like serve justice. Like, it's not up to me to give out justice. Neolib. <laughs> that's kind of what that was a point where it lost me. And there were uh, well, not lost me, but there was a. That was a point that supported something that somebody accused her of earlier on where it was like, you get off on your virtue. Like these other people are more honest about what gets them off, but like nothing will give you as great a pleasure as like being righteous gives you. That's like the pleasure that you allow yourself. Yeah, which I mean, that was sort of the attitude that they took towards her in the whole book. But I always I took that all as sort of like sexist bullshit where it was sort of like she doesn't want to fuck these guys and instead of 
her being like no means no it's like oh what are you so virtuous it's like no bitch like she doesn't want to fuck you but it's like the idea of like a woman having any agency like there's no agency it's either vice or virtue that's all you can have and it's like that's what makes the book so deeply misogynist because like she can't have she has no she doesn't have any like um free will yes i i just would challenge like is it because i think that he is um exploring like a misogynist world like i mean he is a misogynist i truly believe he's a misogynist yeah like lars von trier is a misogynist sure like he well worse because like well said like literally like was like king joffrey in the brothels like he the reason that he was in prison in the first place is because he actually did some of this stuff yes but i think that he has like a better sense of self-awareness and a better like he has a great sense of self-awareness and that's what makes him tolerable special. I mean, like that's what makes his work important. And like, that's why it's fascinating to read it. He's special. He's unique. Yeah. I com- I totally, I totally agree. I just felt like, at least in the version that, that I read, I felt like her agency was respected by the narrator or like, by him as an author, like, I feel like her point of view was well represented and you were on her side in that, like, she had this thing that was extremely important to her and she was holding on to it no matter the, what the cost. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is like translation or just like the different because that's the, why I Googled the translator because the way I read it. She was a punching bag and a laughing stock. And it's like, it's Punch and Judy. It was like, I was talking earlier to my friend about it. And he was like, it sounds like a, like Wiley Coyote. And like, I was like, yes, like it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. It's like, she, yeah, yeah. That's it's like getting pushed off a cliff over and over again. Every time you laugh, like that was the, that was the sense that I got from this translation and this like version. Yeah. I, Oh my gosh, I I like want to read yours. Yeah, I'll I'll lend I'll lend it to you. I'll lend you mine because I have it, but yours looks like a library book. Uh, yeah, mine is a library book. Um, I it's September and it's like this is you read banned books this month. I got an email from the library. Well, I already read one. I mean, how many do I have? I mean, no, no, you. My cousin lent me satisfied from where the crawdad sing or whatever, and I want to read it. I don't know what that is, but I think it, it's I like think the big right. book of the year. And it's like not it's like a murder mystery. It's good. And it's like about Louisiana. And it's like. I was like, oh, thank God, I don't have to read any more of this shit. <laughs> I'm going to read this book. I am so ready to read like little women or <laughs> I mean, I have like trick mirror right over your shoulder that I have not oh, even yeah, had a chance that's to on crack. my bedside table. But I, mean, I feel like that's also very dark. Well, I wouldn't know because I haven't even opened it. Well, do we have any final thoughts today on the Marquis de Sade and our final book of this series? Not our Um, last episode. We're going to sum it all up next week. Well, my final thought on Justine is that I highly, highly, if you have a sense of humor, and I really mean a sense of humor, like if you are in comedy or even if you're not, but you can really like laugh at stuff that is dark and you won't be offended, I really do recommend getting this like slimmer, uh, I think it was like a 1964 publication of Justine. I, I don't know the name of the translator, but I have this very like old. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's from my grandmother and it's like uh, it, it's a cool old version of it. But I, I really recommend getting this like 
pared down slim and i mean you want you hear the marquis de sad and this book is sadistic and it is like wickedly funny incredibly grotesque there were times that i had to put it down there were times that i was offended but if you think the idea of like reading a book that will like offend and delight you and scandalize you that was written 300 years ago is appealing i really do recommend it I also recommend it and I recommend the complete and unexpurgated text uh, with a critical and historical introduction by C.D.B. Bryan from the year 1966. I think this translation is great. I love the extra pages. This is like my extended death proof. Yeah, and this, this is, is like my regular death proof. death proof before I get... Uh, what's her name with a machine gun leg or after oh that's not part of death proof that's planet terror that's no i'm saying before like because it was part of like the oh two yeah, yeah, thing. yeah so yeah. it's like the thing you see before that that's is right. the short version of death proof and i want to like watch i wish that movie was six hours long is that I, the woman who I'm plays the freak is that the woman who plays the that's the woman who's in all his movies right who who yeah. yells at him on the set with bruce lee zoe bell yeah she was uh she played kurt russell's wife the stunt woman and she was she's Anna. amazing in that she, movie she's great i love her so much she's amazing when i watch that movie again because i will say okay can i go down a controversial road of course, this is the experts, honey. We go down yes. all the controversial roads. Okay, I watched. Um, so when I watched the first time, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I will say the Bruce Lee scene, I found uncomfortable. Really, I was like, I didn't find it even the least bit uncomfortable, and I was like surprised that anybody cared about it at all. Well, his daughter cared about it. Yeah, and I, I read know. her thing, and I was like, oh, that really sucks. But I didn't know that going in, and like. I didn't, I didn't know it either. I didn't know anything. Okay, go on. So I was like, oh, that feels weird. And then I saw like the response and I was like, that makes sense. That that's like, that feels really yucky. And then I went to see it again uh, with my in-laws. My mother-in-law, by the way, loved it. She cackled through the whole thing and uh, it was really fun to Aww. watch. It was great. Uh, but, at, but watching that and like watching that scene, I was like, oh, this is Brad Pitt's character's fantasy. Of, how, of course, this guy is fantasizing that he's kicking Bruce Lee's ass. Like it's not... It's not the opinion of the movie that this is exactly what happened. This is like the daydream of this character. And like the and whole. I was like, oh, that's that makes sense. The whole movie is a daydream. Yes, of course. Because in real life, the ending was completely horrific. So yes. it's like to set up that Brad Pitt is able to kill like the most violent murderous hippies like whoever ruined the 20th century <laughs> we're gonna believe that this guy is so tough and so strong that he can beat up bruce lee so when the hippies that killed manson yes. the manson hippies break in we know you're in trouble because this guy's really tough i mean i think it was just like kind of like fun and silly foreshadowing of like look how tough this guy is yeah i think you're i think that you are right uh, I think it's like such a school boy thing to be like a school girl thing. Like I could beat up Bruce Lee. Like I think that was like the extent of it, where think, it was like just dumb. Yeah, I think so too. Um, 
but I thought again, I thought that on second viewing, like on the first viewing, I was like, I don't know about this is the th- this is the one thing that I don't know about. And then when I re- read the responses, I felt bad that. But I didn't think that. I mean, I don't know. I guess like, is there like a like white like fighter that would have been like a better person to put in that that wouldn't have caught? Because I feel like the problem is that it seems like it's like racist. Yes, and because I- Bruce Lee is like Asian. And a fighter, and and Brad Pitt beat him up. Yes, and I think I mean he's the best. What be he's like the most you know iconic, respected, revered. Which is the reason to have Brad Pitt beat him up beat to him show up. how tough Brad Pitt is. But it's yes. like, is but there again, a person like that would have been right? Or like I didn't. I didn't take it to be like his fantasy. I took it to be like in the fantasy world of the movie. But I think that in the structure of that scene, because he's like, remember, he's like fixing the thing on the roof. Yeah, this is like a debate I've seen. But like, I didn't take it to be his fantasy because I took it to be like the reason that he's not allowed on the set is because he beat up Bruce Lee on the set with Leonardo DiCaprio. I think that because it's coming from his memory because it's framed by him having a reverie about it all we can re- just like his murder the murder of his wife all we know is that like he was on the set something bad went down he's not allowed to go back and like yeah. however he's reminiscing about this is like clouded like we are being clued in it's from his, his point of view yeah it's like, his like it's his recollection of what happened yeah 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 but like whether it's his fantasy or not like the movie doesn't take place in reality either no and when you when your movie doesn't play take place real in reality and you're going into the fantasies of a character then it's like even more disconnected and more like fantastical but at the end of the ball yeah it's it's definitely he's an unreliable narrator and like and he's not even a narrator, I guess, but he's unreliable. The whole thing about like whether or not he murdered his wife is unreliable. All we know is that all we can know from the clues that were given is that they were both on a boat. She was aggravating him and he had a weapon in his hand. Right. And the finger on the trigger. That's all we know. All, that's all we know. And I have drawn my own conclusions from that. What are they? That he killed her. All right. I haven't. I was like, oh, I just dropped my Justine. Oh, no, your perfect, beautiful Justine that belongs to your grandmother. My grandmother's Justine. I just dropped it on the floor like the dirty slut she is. And she was crying. You hussy. You hussy. All right. Okay. Well, we literally have to end this right now. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So long. Okay. So thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend. Tell a friend. Subscribe. Download. Rate it. Five stars. If you hate it, rate it one star. We don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter. As long as you rate it anything, it's going to help people find our podcast. But we prefer, you know, five because everybody stars. does. And uh, follow us on Instagram at the expert 69. Follow us on Twitter at the expert 69. Engage with us. Why don't you engage with us? And we love you. And thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.